Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Blow up. Welcome, everybody, to the Monday, July 6th edition of Locked on Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all of the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And hey, listen, we're like three weeks away from the start of training camp, as things currently stand. We're getting down to crunch time here. Football season, uh, I'm going to elect to believe that it's right around the corner here. And as such, uh, we're going to begin to look at some of the key storylines for training camp as it pertains to the Miami Dolphins today. Consider this like your first primer for training camp. Uh, The first, however, thing I I do want to discuss is piggybacking off of the Dolphin salary cap, looking at the Dolphin salary cap, which we've done on this show before, but looking at it relative to the rest of the league and who some of the key free agent signings are and parlay that into a bigger conversation regarding one of Miami's key free agents to be this season because the writing on the wall, we continue to get more writing on the wall here that continues to make me more skeptical of this player's long-term status with the team. That's where we'll start today before transitioning to training camp storylines to watch. Let's dig in. The Miami Dolphins, as we have discussed on this show, forecasted to have somewhere around $55 million in cap space at their disposal as things currently stand looking ahead to the 2021 offseason. Their key free agents to be. Quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, running back Matt Breida, offensive lineman Ted Karras, who signed a one-year short-term deal, Defensive tackle Devon Godshall and linebacker Raquel McMillan. When you consider who the most interesting is of that group, who would you say? Brita, a little bit of a mystery, traded a fifth-round pick for him, one-year deal as a restricted free agent, NFL next-gen stats twice reigning fastest man in football? Maybe. For me, personally, The most compelling free agent is not Matt Breida, and it's also not Ryan Fitzpatrick. You take into consideration Fitzpatrick's age, the presence of Tua Tungavailoa, the understanding that he's been a bridge quarterback. He was always going to be a bridge quarterback. He's in a contract here. Tua, rookie season this year, may start, may not start, may be Fitz all the way. Either way, that presence of Tua makes Ryan Fitzpatrick Kind of null and void, moot point. For me, that man is Raekwon McMillan. And the reason being is the writing on the wall is not being too kind to Raekwon. Uh, Barry Jackson, Miami Herald reported over the weekend, Raekwon's going to have another positional battle on his hands. He's going to have to compete for a starting job again for the Dolphins. They did this with him last year, remember. Sam McGuavin was challenging Raekwon McMillan for the starting linebacker role 
for the Dolphins' defense. And for a hot sec there, I mean, it was just a hot sec, but nonetheless a hot sec there, Iguavin was getting starting reps in camp. McMillan, of course, secured that role long-term. Did a little bit of stuff on the edge, but primarily a thumper off the ball. Here's what Barry Jackson had to say about Raquan McMillan uh, over the weekend for the Miami Herald. One thing I've been told to not overlook is Camus Gruger hill in a battle with Raquan McMillan for a starting inside linebacker job. Gruger hill who started a combined 16 games for Philadelphia during the past two seasons, might be the fastest and best coverage linebacker on the team. First of all, there's no question he's the fastest and best coverage linebacker on the team. That is fact. But where this gets interesting is this is now the second consecutive year that the Dolphins are trying to push Raekwon McMillan. Are they trying to tap into potential that they feel like is there for him to be a more complete player? Do they have concerns about his viability to serve in a high snap frequency role? Remember, he played, I think, 46% of the snaps last year for the Dolphins. And he played well in what he did. But second consecutive year, we're going to push Raekwon and try and get somebody to take his job. Writing on the wall is not great here, guys. And I'm a big Raekwon guy. I like Raekwon McMillan. But the question has to be asked, is he a part of the Dolphins' long-term plans? And if he is, how much are the Dolphins willing to pay him to do it if they're constantly churning and looking for somebody to take that role from him? That's the spot we're in with Raekwon if this indeed materializes and Camus Gruger-Hill pushes McMillan for a starting role because he's a more versatile player and the NFL is a more-you-can-do league. So, like, at that very root cause and idea, Raekwon is at a disadvantage versus Gruger-Hill because Gruger-Hill is a linebacker who can play on passing downs. Raekwon McMillan is not. Period. And that's why you saw the Dolphins, at all costs, avoid playing Raekwon McMillan on passing downs. If they view him as a specialist, what are you going to pay a specialist? What is Raekwon going to expect and say, listen, this is what I was able to do in limited snaps. Imagine if you keep me on the field more often, how much production I'll be able to provide you. Kind of takes me to thinking about linebacker Preston Brown, who led the NFL in tackles. 2016 or 2017, one of those two years with the Buffalo Bills. And uh, was off the team like the following year and is having trouble finding a roster spot. Not to say Raekwon is that deficient of a player or one-dimensional of a player because I don't think he is. But if you just go off tackle stats, it's very misleading because Preston Brown led the NFL in tackles, but you watched him do anything other than chase a guy down on the second level or third level of the field, and he didn't have value doing it. So, it doesn't give me the warm fuzzies thinking about Raekwon's long-term role. If that's the way they choose to go, okay, well then maybe we could start talking about Micah Parsons the linebacker from Penn State, and putting him on the second level of this defense. I don't want to open up too many cans of worms here, but I did a couple mock drafts over at thedraftnetwork.com the other day with their mock draft simulator. And uh, Micah Parsons, a free safety, a wide receiver, and 
you can pick your poison. I've done tight end. I've done nose tackle with that other top 50 pick that the Dolphins are probably going to have four of this year. You can come up with some pretty damn exciting combinations of players. Make no mistake. And I did. And I look forward to exploring some of those. And Parsons is a player that, you know, if the Dolphins end up picking inside the back half of the top 10, he would make sense. I know some Dolphins fans were really excited about the potential of Isaiah Simmons, if they were going to skip, if we felt we could get Tua later, if we were going to pass over Tua because of the injuries and go get Jordan Love later in the draft. If you liked Isaiah Simmons, I will tell you right now, you're going to like Micah Parsons a lot too. And Parsons is a little bit more of a traditional backer, a little bit more pass rush ceiling than what Isaiah Simmons brought to the table. So discussions for other days, not necessarily for today. But I do think it is worthwhile to acknowledge that Raquel McMillan is reportedly facing his second consecutive training camp battle for a starting role. The optics of the long-term impact on Raquan and his status with the team, those optics are not good. At this point in time, there's still plenty that can play out. But something to keep an eye on as we think about players the Dolphins bring back and their salary cap situation and who they want to commit long-term money to and what they're worth. The Dolphins are not sending a very strong message about what their belief is, regardless of the fact that they backed them from a leadership perspective several times already. This message, if it materializes, is not a good one for Raekwon's value and ability to land a big second contract with the Dolphins. RockAuto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for all of the auto and body parts that you might need from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. So whether it's for your classic or daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your front door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, Reliably low prices, all of the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So something I've started doing this week for over at USA Today's Dolphins Wire is looking at each positional group for the Miami Dolphins and asking key training camp storylines to watch. And uh, today, Monday... I did quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. So four position groups got training camp previews, each with three critical questions about each position group and storylines to watch. And what I'd like to do now is just kind of spotlight what I think the most pressing question is amongst each of those position groups. So the position group quarterback, the primary questions I had, is will Ryan Fitzpatrick experience a regression? You know, the Fitz magic, Fitz tragic life cycle. There's a reason why he's been a journeyman quarterback for 25 freaking teams for his entire career. There's a reason he hasn't sticked long-term somewhere. Because he plays high, 
and then there's valleys and peaks and valleys. And he goes somewhere else and he peaks and then you get more film on and he valleys again. Is Tua ready to go? Another pressing question. And the third question I had is pertaining to the Dolphins' third quarterback, Josh Rosen. Um, Dolphins invested a first round or a second round pick in Josh Rosen in 2019, hoping they could quote unquote skip the line if they catch lightning in a bottle. They did not. Low risk move when you take into consideration the value of the position, what the payoff could have been if it worked, and how much they have to pay him versus how much the contract of for a top 10 quarterback is, which is what Arizona was on the hook for when they picked Rosen in the number 10 overall pick. Miami's ability to recoup their value for Josh Rosen, I think this is the one I want to spend the most time on because we know we spent a lot of time talking about Tua. We spent a lot of time talking about Fitz. And Fitz, you know, long-term viability is not super high here. We know what he is. He's, he's the plug. He's the bridge. Rosen. Um, I've discussed this on the show before as well, but I think it's really amplified now with the changes to the preseason. The Dolphins' opportunity to recoup what they invested in Josh Rosen is drastically hurt by no preseason this year. Because the Dolphins not only have to find a suitor for Josh Rosen, they have to rehabilitate his image. And the only way you're going to do that is with playing time and good tape. And when's the only time Josh Rosen's probably realistically going to step on the football field for the Dolphins in 2020? In the preseason. They just canceled two preseason games. The NFLPA wants to cancel the other two preseason games. We might not get any preseason games. And if that's the case, Josh Rosen probably not going to touch football field in a formal game setting for the Dolphins. Unless, heaven forbid, coronavirus ends up getting into the quarterback room and you see a couple Dolphins players that, that are not available. Or if Ryan Fitzpatrick gets it and they're not ready with two of playing so early in the season. Rosen can only rehab his image if he plays. And because there's half as many preseason games as there was supposed to be, Rosen probably would have played the entire third preseason or fourth preseason game. Just quarterback the whole thing. That's out the window. It's gone. It's not going to happen. And if you wait and you try and do this again next year after another year of marinating in another system and, and being the backup quarterback, now you're trying to trade a quarterback that's on an expiring contract because nobody's exercising a fifth-year option for Josh Rosen. They're not. So Rosen has more value to the Dolphins than they do, than he does to any other team. And as such, I would expect him at this point, either Miami to throw their hands up and say, well, nope, thanks for coming down, appreciate it, but we're done with you, and cut him. Or they're going to keep him for two years as the cheap backup quarterback. I think keeping him as the cheap backup quarterback is the most likely course of action for the Dolphins. The running back position, three most compelling thoughts I have on this group. Will Kalen Balaj make this football team? The 2018 fourth-round pick, theoretically speaking, should be the fourth or the third running back on the roster behind Breed and Jordan Howard. What exactly does Breed's role look like in the Dolphins' offense? Uh, the Dolphins do not have the athletes up front on the offensive line to run a lot of the wide and outside zone concepts that Breida had success with in San Francisco. He hasn't been super prominent as a pass catcher to this point in his career. I believe he caught 27 passes in 2018, which is his career high to this point in his career. Nothing that's going to blow you away. 
And Jordan Howard, will the Dolphins uh, feed Jordan Howard to the degree in which he got fed early before Matt Nagy became the head coach in the Chicago Bears? Because Jordan Howard rushed for 24, 2,500 rushing yards his first two years in the league and averaged over that course of time 4.7, 4.8 yards per carry. Matt Nagy comes in, wants to change the offense. All of a sudden, it doesn't play to Jordan Howard's strengths. He averages under four yards, under three and three and three quarter yards per carry. And next thing you know, he's out of here in Philadelphia. And Philadelphia was going running back by committee, trying to ease Miles Sanders into a starting role. And then Howard got hurt. Howard is perfectly capable of rushing for 1,200 yards. Will he do that in Miami? Uh, I doubt it. That's a very lofty projection to set. And I don't feel comfortable putting that kind of expectation on Howard behind a bunch of new players on the offensive line. Do I expect Jordan Howard to be the engine of the ground game? Yes, I do. Interestingly enough, I think about Matt Breida and his role, and I go back to Chan Gailey's time in Buffalo. Seems if nothing else, the Dolphins have learned their lesson, or Chan Gailey's learned his lesson. The Bills drafted C.J. Spiller to probably fill a lot of the same role that Matt Breed is going to try and play. And unlike the Bills, who spent a first-round pick on C.J. Spiller, the Dolphins spent a fifth-round pick for Breed in an expiring year. But the Bills' offense struggled with hitting home runs and home run plays and explosive plays, so they drafted C.J. Spiller with a first-round pick, hoping he was going to be the answer to that hole in their offense. Insight provided to me by our only likable Buffalo Bills fan, Joe Marino, my co-host of the Draft News Podcast. Look for Brita to be a player I expect that they're going to pick and choose their spots with. The tight end room. Most compelling storylines for the tight end room. The first one is obvious. Can Mike Gusecki provide a repeat performance of 2019 or improve upon it? Will Durham Smythe make the Dolphins active roster in this new look offense that's going to run a ton of 11 personnel? And specifically, who is going to be the backup receiving threat to Mike Gusecki in 11 personnel? Because I don't think Durham Smythe, even if he does make the roster, and I expect he will, although theoretically if the Dolphins wanted to go short yardage, they could bring in a sixth offensive lineman to do that if they wanted more pure receivers at the tight end position. That's on the table for them. I think the most compelling question is who's the backup in the receiving game to Gasecki? I'd like to think Gasecki, you know, based on pure volume, he's never going to be a guy who creates a ton of plays after the catch. That's okay. That's not what he was in Penn State either. But Chan Gailey, for as little impact as tight ends have had, he hasn't really had good tight ends. And Gailey always gets his best players the most targets. Gusecki is one of the best players in the Dolphins' skill group. I expect he'll get the targets. I expect he'll repeat. But is it going to be Michael Roberts, the former Detroit Lion? Or Chris Myrick, who looked really good in the preseason last year? And I was glad to see that he kind of lingered around. He had, I think... It was eight catches for 78 yards against the Saints in week four of the preseason last year. Like, he looked awesome that game. Really natural receiver. I think he's got a shot to make some noise on this roster because I think he's got a little bit more receiving chops than either. I think he's a little bit more athletic than Michael Roberts, who's just a big, tall red zone guy. And I think he's got more receiving chops than Durham Smythe. 
It's an interesting kind of subplot to try and project who makes the cut and why. As far as the receiving group, there's no surprise if you've been listening to Lockdown Dolphins for any amount of time now. The concerns that I have with the run after catch. I think that is the most pressing question. Of course, will Devontae Parker have a repeat of 2019, much like Mike Kosecki? Doing it once is great, but doing it twice is just as important to solidify your standing as a long-term viable answer at the position. And the Dolphins changed passing coordinator or offensive coordinator, and Devontae lost his wide receivers coach in Carl Doral, who's now the head coach of University of Buffalo. Some change here, some... Some adversity Devontae's going to have to overcome. It's a storyline to watch. How healthy is Preston Williams? That was the third most pressing question. But to me, number one, who's the rack guy? Who is the explosive playmaker who's going to get the ball in his hands and make a guy miss and prevent opposing defenses from crowding 10 yards of the line scrimmage? Albert Wilson could be that guy. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to show he's got his explosiveness back that he was missing. Jakeem Grant, you know, I keep getting tweeted about Jakeem Grant on social. I love Jakeem. But I'd like to see him make it through 16 games as a complimentary option before I put the weight of the passing offense on him and the functionality of the entire offense. Could it be Gary Jennings or any one of these other guys? Which one of all of these questions? Just went through all 12 that I wrote about today over at DolphinsWire.com. Do I think is the most interesting, most compelling? Obviously, for the sake of the Dolphins and forecasting them forward, the is to a ready to go storyline is the most compelling for the Dolphins. But for me, who speaks a lot about the team, speaks a lot about Tua, the one that I enjoyed looking at under a microscope the most was probably the Matt Burrito role. Because he can be really exciting, and he can be an answer to us avoiding some of these traps of this this offense becoming stagnant and playing inside a box. But we're going to have to see him probably do some things he hasn't done a lot of before. Tomorrow is Power to the Pod. It's your show tomorrow, so you guys get to tweet at me, leave reviews on the pod for me to read with your questions. And I will make sure I work through as many as I possibly can. Another cool idea that I have for this week, looking at former Miami Dolphins. We've talked about the Adam Gase curse and and players who thrive post-Gase and post-Dolphins in general. want to look across the league, and I'm going to make an all-former Dolphins team. We're going to look at the talent that's available, how successful that talent is, how good of a team it could possibly be if we like where we're at now or the players that left us in the past. Kind of a fun compare and contrast of the here and now versus what was. That'll come on Wednesday. But power to the pod tomorrow, so make sure you tweet at LockedOnFins with a PH or leave a review on the show with your question. Hashtag power to the pod, and I will answer as many as humanly possible tomorrow. I'm Kyle Crabb signing off. I want to thank all of you, as always, for carving some time out of your day for Locked On Dolphins. And I hope you keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins.